What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. T minus two days away from training camp. Mark Vandermeer, stay with me. Woo! Yeah, I'm not going to do that right now, but I am excited. Why won't you, you do that with me? I, you know, if I go up that high, yeah, I, I don't have that octave in me, Johnny. You know, <laughs> trust me, I really don't. <laughs> I can't tw- do BGS or anything like that. Any no. falsetto, no Maroon Five, no Bruno. I can't do that. Except no. for we don't talk about Bruno. I can do that because my kid is obsessed with that movie Encanto by Lin Manuel Miranda. Ooh. There's a reference for you. Ooh, very oh, nice. And when you started out with T, I'm used to your TGIF on a Friday show. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, wait a minute, does he realize it's Wednesday? Yeah, We're not quite there yet for Friday. When we kick off training camp with Nick Casario live on this very program, which will be at 8 a.m. on Friday morning, and it's going to be great because Seth and Sean from 8 or from 6 to 8, but Nick's going to do a press conference at some time in there around 7.30, mm-hmm. and they'll take it all live. And then Nick will just jump over onto our mm-hmm. show, and it's going to be beautiful. Lots of football talk, lots of fun as we enter training camp. And it's here, folks. Let's go. It is here. That is Mark Vandermeer. I'm John Harris, your host. We're going to hear from Seth Payne a little. Where are they now? Exclusive remix later in the show. Seth was in studio today with Drew Doherty, so we'll have that a little later in the show. We also, Drew and I did, went in the lab talk about training camp, and we're going to get there in a little bit, Mark, talking about training camp, but a piece of news and some clarification because I know a lot of people hear this and like, oh no, they're out for the year? No. But the Texans have placed three players on the active PUP list. When that is done in training camp, it just means they're not going to practice in training camp until they're taken off the list. Once they're there, they're back full-time. They're ready to go. Used to be that when you get put on the pup list, and I think it happens in the season, if you get put on the in-season pup list, there are other ramifications, i.e. out for the year. This just means not quite ready to go. When they are, they'll be on the field. Jordan Jenkins, Tristan McCollum, and Tegan Quatoriano, those three placed on the active PUP list. Mark, I don't know if it's earth-shattering anyway with those three, but I'm glad the number's not bigger. I'm glad that it means mm-hmm. a couple names not on the list, or one name in particular. Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley not on that list. I was just going to say, now, I guess, do you have to do it by today? So is this it? I think it would be because they've already given everybody the conditioning test. Everybody's been poked and prodded and welcome back Mm -hmm. and hello and let's give you a physical, whatever they do. Right. So they would know if they're going to put them on or not. They would have put them on today if they were going to. So that's really good news, Johnny, yeah. because I was not exactly sweating that one out, but I was curious, you mm-hmm. know, maybe he's not all the way back yet. We didn't see much in OTAs, and it would have been reasonable, I guess, if he did that. And I think what we'll never know is if Mechie hadn't been diagnosed yeah. with leukemia, the right. most treatable kind, thank goodness, but would he have been on the PUP coming into camp? We don't know, and it doesn't really matter right now. We just want him to get healthy as a human, as a person, and then worry about the career, and hopefully he can play good football, great football for this franchise in the years to come. But, yeah, I was with you that I'm glad about the names that weren't on it, and let's hope that the names that are on it, that they can, they can get back quickly. So training camp starts Friday. We'll have the general on with us tomorrow night yep. at this time. He comes on, and at that point, we get the general's thoughts on what he wants to look at on Friday. So this is sort of our last time before we get to training camp. I know our eyes are probably going to, well, first of all, our eyes are going to be to these microphones because we're going to be on the air from 8 to 10. Not that I'm bitter. I'm not bitter. I'll try and find periods of time to watch practice. 
but I'll miss some of practice, but still going to have my observations for you. And I know those are must read during training camp, but I'll make sure that they're, they're thorough and what you Texans fans will expect. That said, Mark, first thing you're going to look at at training camp is what and why. I want to see how the O-line lines up. I know they're going to change it around. They always do. Every regime that's been here has experimented. And maybe it's not even experimenting as much as, hey, take a few reps at guard. Take a few reps at tackle. You know, maybe not Laramie, but some other players. Just because those situations come up in games like we've seen many times when you only dress seven or whatever the number is going to be for this particular regime. So I think the O-line lining up. But, Johnny, I want to see how the passing game looks. I always look at that. I just like watching that stuff. And then when they get it to pads, obviously, pass rush drills. Now, as far as you watching practice, because I think everyone's sweating this out. And by everyone, I mean me. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to watch practice. We know you'll be able to watch Eye in the Sky stuff later. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. going to get all the practice film yeah, and later. watch it all. This uh-huh. is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be good. And, so we'll have that. But I just I love the vibe of watching it live. I mean, it's the same as yeah. watching a game live versus watching on TV see things yeah you just you see things body language i love that's one of the things i always look for always mm-hmm. look for body language yeah you know, which guys seemingly are checked out at times which guys are dialed in which guys are being good teammates which guys are getting the job done and there we'll do that during training camp kind of our guys to watch subterranean level you know yeah. the kurt heinishes of the world who i think really is going to surprise some people if you haven't heard of kurt heinish from out of notre dame but Wearing Chester me, Pitt's old number, even though he plays on the other side of the football. Right. Roy Lopez told us that he <laughs> turned down the opportunity to wear that number. Last year, he ended up with 79 in mm-hmm. an agreement with Darwin in the equipment room that, hey, if you make the team, you'll get in the 90s. And he did. He made the team, yeah. and he got 91. And hopefully all of you out there have got your 91 Lopez jerseys, and you're wearing them wearing them proud. Mark, for me, obviously, you know I'm going to watch the offensive line. But it goes back to Stingley. I want to see Sting. I want to yeah. see... How he looks, how he moves, will he, when they do one-on-ones, how often does he get Brandon Cooks? One of the things I've been reading, you know, our buddy Sal Capaccio up with the Buffalo Bills has been tweeting because the Bills have been in practice because they play that first game of the year, Thursday night, out in L.A., opening game, rematch of those two teams, Rams and Bills, not Super Bowl, but those two teams playing again. And he's been talking about how Kyir Elam, who's drafted 22nd or 23rd, has been going against Stephon Diggs every day, one-on-one. Nice. And it's been a little dicey at times. Not not bad for Elam, but between the two, it's been pretty competitive. It's Stefan Diggs. Yeah, they've been going after each other. But I think that's great. I think it's yeah. great for them. I mean, I think it's great that Kair Elam is like, yeah, I'm going to take him. I got him. Good. Now, Tredavious White has not been at practice. He's still rehabbing from the ACL that he had. So he's still not quite ready to go. He's in the preseason pup list. But I want to see Sting. I want to see him in one-on-ones against Brandon Cooks. It's a little different receiver. Sting had a lot of success, apparently, in practice. And there was some practice video that popped. Sting did really well against Jamar Chase because he could handle the physicality. Brandon's a whole different animal. He's so quick. His sudden change of direction. And then Davis, obviously, being in tune to Brandon running his routes, how fast the ball gets there. He did face Joe Burrow when he was in college. But... It's a little different facing Brandon Cooks, but I'm curious that one-on-one, that one-on-one I I desperately want to see. I want to see how that goes down. Is it possible? All right, so Stingley not on PUP. We went over the names of the players on PUP. Is it possible, though, that they still bring him along a little bit slower than some other players because he's just getting back full so they limit the reps? Could very well be. I'm curious which reps they would 
want to hold back on. I, I would think you're going to get all individual. You're going to get all of seven on seven. You're going to get all of one-on-ones, maybe some of the team stuff where there's a possibility of a run breaking outside and yeah. get caught up in all that. Maybe that's what you hold back on. Hopefully there's there's no holding him back. And other people listening going, no, 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 no. If he's not on the PUP list, he's ready to go. But guy's coming off a pretty significant injury. List Franck injury he had back in 2021. You want to make sure Sting's playing 17 games this yeah. year. You you don't need to see him in the first day of practice to have something happen because maybe they're doing too much. Ease him in. I heard this on the Derek Jeter uh, ESPN 30 for 30, which, by the way, I've heard some people sort of poo-poo it. Oh, wait a minute. It's actually pretty good. Okay, hang on a it's second. Not, it's Can not great. Can we take great. a little sidebar here? It's not great. All right, but all right, I, Johnny, I saw two minutes of it, mm-hmm. and it was about Derek Jeter being born. Yeah, and that I, was a Well, I just went, do we really need – and I know this is well-traveled material because my first thought when I heard this was coming out is, you know, Derek Jeter was a great player mm-hmm. and a great leader on a great right. team. But this is not the kind of athlete that you can make the last dance about. You just can't do it on Jeter. I think, yeah, a 30-for-30 30 30 type football life, two, You're right. maybe even three hours, but seven-part series? You're right. Maybe on the Yankees themselves, or the rebirth of the Yankees in the 90s when they started to get good again, and I know that's probably a big part of this. But that's the last dance. Was right. it all about Michael? No. But a lot of it, it leaned heavily towards Michael. Yeah. That's what this is. Okay. The, but this is the captain, so you make it make when you get into it, you realize this is a lot about how the Yankees were built, what they went through, how the other pieces came along. And obviously they're telling the Jeter story. They're doing they're following the last dance script, but they're doing it a disservice in some sense because they named it the captain. Yeah. Had they named it, you know, last one in pinstripes or something like that, I don't know. Maybe people perceive it, but they the thought is this is all about Jeter. It's not. It, it is a lot about the the Yankees being built. It's a lot about various people in the organization. The reason I brought that up mm-hmm. is one of Jeter's friends talks about why Jeter was very successful. And that was when you get in New York, if you try and take big bites of the Big Apple, you're done. You have to consume small bites at a time. And as you consume those small bites you're going to eventually eat the entire apple. If you try and take big bites, it'll just swallow you whole. So so elaborate for me. My point with Derek Stingley is little bites are okay. Oh, yeah. If you give him, if there are little bites, a little bit a day till you consume the whole apple, that's great. You don't need to eat the whole apple on the first day. Right. That'll, That'll consume you just little bites a day. And if that means that they're ramping him up, great. That's where I was going with the analogy. Yeah, I think that, it's going to be interesting to see this team develop and who emerges as the leaders, whether mm-hmm. they're silent or quiet leaders. I shouldn't say silent, but more quiet, right? loud leaders or louder leaders, how that all shakes out. Because you brought up the Jeter thing to make another example. And when I look at the Astros culture and the success they've had in recent years, and they've had a lot of turnover. You don't really, I mean, you notice it, yet it feels the same similar way that it did even in 2017, even in 2015. And what's the thread that runs all the way through that? Jose Altuve, right? I think that he has a Jeter-like effect on the Astros. Very much so. And it's really noticeable. Uh, You need people like that, whatever the team is, whatever the sport is. And I'm eager to see who really emerges here. You know, you assume a quarterback's going to do it. It could be Mills doing it. 
But you need help, too, yep. because it can't just be him unless you happen to be the greatest player that ever lived in Tom Brady. But we don't have to get into that right now. You know, maybe it's Petrie on defense. Maybe it is Stingley. Maybe it's Harris. Who knows? One of the things about that documentary, too, is there's a point at which David Wells kind of there's a there's a fly ball that falls beyond Jeter in front of two outfielders. David and, Wells. And David Wells is kind of complaining on the mound. And apparently Jeter walked up and was just said very point blank, we don't do that here. Mm. Like, we don't do that. And to have a leader of that magnitude that everybody's yeah. like, yeah, we follow this guy. That's the guy we're <laughs> that's yeah. the guy we're gonna follow. Um that so yeah, that's that's gonna be part of it. I wanna see also going back to the PUP list. There were some guys that we didn't see uh, in, in OTAs. We didn't see John Grenard. He actually put on Instagram the other day. He's cleared. So that nice. was good. Uh, Eric Murray, we did not see a lot in OTAs uh, in offseason. So he's not on the PUP list. Mario Adams, Addison did not par- – he, he participated but wasn't doing anything for his team. Full. He wasn't full. So I want to see what Mario still got left in the tank at man Jerry Hughes at the same time. I want to see what those two guys have. Those guys also know how to handle training camp. I'll put handle in air quotes here. True, but I I would imagine the very first day they want to they want to show it off a little bit. Oh yeah, there's going to be for players like that, they want to have some good practices. Yeah. They also need some days off. And no who doubt. knows that better than Lovey Smith who's yes. been around forever and he's seen it all and I think he's going to handle that part of it extremely well. I'm going to give you one player I want you to think of one player. Okay. One player that maybe not a lot has been talked about, but by the end of the season, this guy could end up being a pretty significant part of offense, defense, and definitely on special teams for my guy. But I think by the end of the season, starting with a good training camp, I think the arrow has been pointing up for a while. From the time he started against Jacksonville last year and had 11 tackles in that game and the speed on the field with which he played, I thought Garrett Wallow needed to be in that linebacker lineup and I don't know when it happens. I don't know how. I hope the linebackers all play well. And maybe Kamu and, and, and Christian Kirksey play so well that Wallow just can't get on the field. He'll at least dominate in special teams. He'll be an incredible special teams player. But I think Garrett Wallow, what he showed on the field and how much the, the staff has talked about him. Lovey Smith talking about him. Miles Smith talking about him. Nick Casario talking about the improvements Garrett Wallow made. That's the guy for me that starting in training camp – I'm keeping my eyes on for a while because I think he's going to have an opportunity with a good training camp, getting through the season. By end of the season, he's going to be a factor in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's funny how you bring up the name of two linebackers because when you're in nickel, you know, with a four-man front with the two linebackers, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot of two-linebacker play on defense for any team, really, but this one. And then you look at the division because you're facing Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Then you're going to load up with extra backers. There are reps out there to be had on this schedule, and you're playing some run-heavy teams yes. here. So that's going to be interesting. The Giants, how do they handle it with Barkley, assuming right. he's healthy by the time you get to November and whatever they're going to look like by then. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They have The one thing you want is luxury problems. Luxury problem. Yes. I've got too many good players at this position. Can you imagine that? Because I can't think of anybody whose starting job – you know, look, you can project a bunch of guys into their starting roles, but – I think everything's available if somebody rises to the occasion. You yep. know, there's no JJ Watt here where you have to say, well, he's got to start. You know, Laramie. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, there might be a couple of players like that, but if somebody is better, they're going to play yeah. at most of these spots and it's going to be fun to follow. Compet- competition is still up in the air. Now, a guy that competed here and did very, very well after he left Jacksonville to become used to Texan, original Texan Seth 
Payne. You hear him on Sports Radio 610. Well, you're going to hear him here next with our buddy Drew Doherty. A little Where Are They Now remix on Texans All Access. It's All Access. It's All Access. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host. Glad to be with you. And it's time to go into the WATN machine, the Where Are They Now machine, and talk with our buddy Seth Payne. Drew Doherty sprung this on me this week. said, look, man, I'm going to do a part two of my Where Are They Now with Seth Payne. Do you want it? I'm like, yeah, of course. So let's do it. Seth Payne, Drew Doherty, where are they now? Let's roll. It's good to be with you, Seth. How hey, are you? It's good to be with you. I feel <laughs> I'm a little bit apprehensive because uh, because you invited me back, and I don't know if I if I said something no. uh, like uh, controversial that I need to, uh, to to clarify or something. Well, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on current events. Actually, <laughs> yeah, don't do that <laughs> because we all agree about everything in this world. So <laughs> let's do that. But no, I, in the last one I mentioned, hey, we're talking with you is like skipping a stone because there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to ask but just couldn't get to because we went 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that I wanted to ask. Your time's valuable. My time's valuable. So we're not going to get into all that other stuff either. What we're going to do is talk about stuff that got dredged up from others after they heard our podcast. Oh, really? Okay. That's and so this is reactions? Like, like, am I doing a Q&A from the listeners almost? No, oh, it's okay. actually people that I've worked with here that some are still here, some are gone, but they're good friends of mine who heard the, the podcast and they liked it. They, mm-hmm. They're like, man, it's good hearing Seth again like that because they love hearing. Some of them don't live here anymore, so yeah. they hadn't heard from you. And they just rattled off funny anecdotes about you <laughs> from the past, okay. from your playing days and from your, your early retirement days. So first thing we're going to start – we're going to get into that, but okay. camp is here. Yeah. I was talking about this with John Harris earlier. It's it's remarkable seeing the Texans practice on Friday, mm-hmm. practice on Saturday, and then have Sunday off. Right. I yeah. mean, did I'm sure you've talked about this on the air, but does that just blow your mind? Because you guys went, what, 78 straight days of two you, days? You'd go, yeah, I know. It's, I, not as much because it's been a, a steady... Uh, change in the right direction I think like when I was a player I've always felt that training camp and football for whatever reason just because of tradition was for a long time way overblown like they did yeah. it, it there was no other sport where they where they try to weaken you as much as possible right before and it's because football coaches forever have like they've wanted to pretend that they're world war ii generals and they <laughs> felt like we need to give them the basic training experience right. uh, so we can send them over to iwo jima or something and it's dumb it's just it was dumb forever it was like okay well, we're gonna we're gonna dehydrate them and wear them down for six weeks right before the actual game starts so I'm I'm totally cool with things being easier than they used to be because I think it's smarter and especially nowadays where it, you know it's been a long time since guys were working normal jobs in the off season. Right. Back in the day, they used to have to go. They, they used to go work as a, a meat distributor or something. Careful, don't get into JJ Reddick territory right so, now. Uh, oh, why, why? Oh, you didn't Is hear it? It? he uh, he basically called. 
guy, NBA guys from like the fifties and sixties and seventies when Jerry West was Uh a star. He called them plumbers, and he basically denigrated the quality play. Oh, really? And Jerry West clapped. Oh, did he really? See, no, I wouldn't denigrate like this. I don't think it affected their quality of play, but I don't think that they were in football shape in the off season. Sure, but you can you can shovel uh, like like with physical labor. Like I learned this on the farm. You can work really really hard doing physical labor for twelve hours a day, but then it's not the same thing as being in football shape. Exactly. Likewise, being in football shape, you can go right out of being in the best shape of your life. Then you go and try to shovel 12 hours a day uh-huh. and it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that those guys, uh, those guys weren't working out the same way in the offseason. Where nowadays they are and if anything, you just need to maintain their physical conditioning and then get them mentally sharp. So I think they do it the right way now. And I'm glad you brought up farming because we touched on that in the first Where Are They Now podcast. So go back and listen if you haven't heard it and enjoy it. But Camp, obviously different, and it's obviously not as long, and that's, I think, a, a good thing for, by and large. I mean, there are perhaps some drawbacks. Maybe some guys like Kurt Warner stories aren't going to happen because they don't get the reps because they were the fifth right. guy. Yeah. But I think, by and large, you know, they get a little bit of time off. And can you point to, and I'm not looking for examples, but don't you think some of the stuff that you did in July and August maybe might have worn you down a little bit? In December, in January. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think. I mean, some of the some of the injuries, um, and just uh, you know, the we used to have a strength coach here, Dan Riley, mm-hmm. who I've only heard wonderful things about him. Yeah, he was awesome, and yeah. he was like, it, it was funny because he was one of the first strength coaches in the NFL. He was actually one of the first strength coaches in college football um, to be a full time strength coach at West Point way back in the day, mm-hmm. and he had a very practical approach to it, where he wanted to keep guys as strong as possible. At the end, he wanted them to be as close to their full strength at the end of the season as they were at the beginning of the season. Where I think a lot of people kind of uh, the, the old school mentality was like, "Well, you're just bound to atrophy along the way because this is a man's game and we wear you down." <laughs> so it would start in training camp where you would you would just get worn down. Um, I remember I remember uh, Coach Capers once. I disagreed with him on this. He brought up the Tour de France, which goes on during training camp, right? As an example of, hey, you know, they say that. By the end of the Tour de France, after this grueling ordeal, people are actually in better shape than when they began. I'm like, yeah, but they're also, (laughs) they're not going right out and doing another Tour de France. Like, they're pretty (laughs) worn down, too. So just what, I felt like he was trying to argue that we should, uh, we like, (laughs) it it doesn't matter how much we beat you up because you could just go right out and do the Tour de France afterwards. Whereas there's there's more nuance to it than that. So would your eyebrows just raise and you stay silent when something like that comes up as a player? When you, just something you totally disagree with, or you just like, Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, or is it stone you know, face? You don't even make a make a. It's move. the old soldier's prayer where like mine is not to reason why mine is just to fight and die. See, I like to pretend <laughs> not that I'm the general, but that I'm the actual uh, the actual soldier. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm how doing cl- the same thing. How close were you to West Point, where where you grew up? Was it how close? I was like five or six hours. Oh, I only, so not close at all. Okay. No, I played there once. My freshman year at Cornell, we uh-huh. played like our freshman. It wasn't officially a JV squad or anything, but like the freshman right. and sophomores played each other. And those are some pent up angry dudes. Oh, uh, well, because they're not allowed off base their freshman year. No, and they're I mean, all badasses. I mean, they're Division One football players who also haven't been allowed to see anybody or anything in like four months. And with reference to Dan Riley starting out at West Point, which yeah. I didn't know. That had to be a challenge in and of itself as a strength coach because those guys are going through all that physical activity. You know, like that's a dip, as far as like push-ups, yeah. And, and basic, uh, not basic, but like 
whatever the, the PT, in, the physical training and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The plebe summer that the Navy. Anyways, and they've got no, and they've got they've got duties as cadets yeah. or as first year guys that yeah. and then upperclassmen are messing with them. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I had a friend that I had a friend that was at Air Force Academy, mm-hmm. and and he said his freshman year. Like after all of that, like he said, uh, he he lost a bunch of weight, and he's like, I was incredible shape, and I could go all day, uh, getting my ass beat. It was like <laughs> I could get my. He's like, I could get my ass beat up and down the field all day long and never get tired, but I was getting killed. Different yeah. type of football shape versus getting your ass beat. Yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we were talking last week with Justin McCray, plays on the offensive line here, and he was one of about six or seven guys who came into the team last year on both sides of the line, really, who had extensive, decorated high school wrestling backgrounds. Yeah. And you could throw him in there with Malik Collins, with Justin Britt on the offensive line. Lopez. Roy Lopez. There's a few others that I'm leaving out. Every single one of them, if you talk to them, believes they could beat the other guy. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Iowa State champion, da-da-da-da-da. That guy has no chance. Yeah. Every single one. McCray yeah, the, the, it last week. I mean. From state to state, too. Some states oh, yeah. have more respect. Where mm-hmm. was McCray? What, McCray's a what Florida guy. Okay, so Florida doesn't have as much respect to say some of the Midwestern yeah. states when it comes to wrestling. Right. Uh, so <laughs> what was your background there? I was, uh, I, okay, so I wrestled all the way, you know, from second grade up through high school, my brother was a really, really good wrestler. Um, and he, he, what size was he ultimately like he the, was, when he was wrestling at his... He was a smaller guy, but he was also a late bloomer. He had like he was like way premature with a fall birthday. So he was basically like... He was a year ahead of where he should have been right, in school. Right. So he was undersized. Ultimately, though, he would end up wrestling uh, both 177 and heavyweight in college. Wow. Uh, yeah, because he, cause when he got to college, he still wasn't that big of a guy, but he was still growing. Mm-hmm. So he was sucking weight, sucking weight, sucking weight, and just emaciated when he was 177. Yeah. And he ended up being an All-American in college at Clarion, which is a Division One wrestling school. There's a bunch of schools up in Pennsylvania that are Division One for wrestling. Because they're so good at yeah, it. Yeah, they're Division Two for everything else. Yeah. Um, so my brother was very good at it. My After my sophomore year of high school wrestling, I was the opposite. Like I was this big, tall, lanky, stork-looking kid who was always kind of okay at wrestling, but I just wasn't as strong as my brother. Yeah, yeah. So I was all right, um, but I started getting really good towards the end of my sophomore year. But I was going into a year, my junior year, where I was gonna be—I was basically gonna have to be JV because there was a kid, this kid Casey Lamb who was one of the best guys in the state at two fifteen, and that's heavyweight, right? Yeah, it was two fifteen at the time. Um, and and like there was just no way I was going to beat him. Like mm-hmm. uh, like for everything I just said about you know positive affirmations and everything. Like Casey was a full grown man. Yeah, I was like still like not even fully through puberty. You know, <laughs> like so he was gonna. He, I wasn't gonna beat him, so I was gonna have to go to JV. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm just not gonna wrestle. I'm gonna focus on just trying to get bigger for football and everything. And and I remember uh, Coach Mandera, who I who I love, and he's still my friend to this day. But he gave me awful awful advice because he said, Seth. It's, it's not like you're going to go pro or something. Like, uh, think about what you're throwing I've away. I've heard that one. Yeah. That makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and he did, you know, we, we laugh about it now. He's like, oh, gosh, I gave you some bad advice. I but love- it, was, it was the right advice. It just wasn't ultimately. 99 times out of 100, that would have been the right advice. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I just love that that little dynamic of these these guys all. And they've all stuck. You know, I don't think any of the wrestlers that signed last year are gone. Yeah. It's, well, I think it is. I think there's a little something... 
you know, I, I have great respect for the sport of wrestling and people who wrestle because uh, it is it's a grueling of all the high school sports you can say play. Just the preparation alone. You yeah. Keep, you don't even go to a meet. Just the getting ready for the, the meet sounds. Yeah. The, I saw Vision Quest. So I mean, yeah, I exactly. that. no, it is. Well, because you add to it that a lot of guys are dieting while they're doing it. Oh. So it's your it's the most physically taxing of all the high school sports, really any kind of martial sport just yeah. ends up being that much more grueling and uh, and you're doing it while dieting and not to mention a lot of them unfortunately are dieting while they're also like going like, they're, they're going through puberty yeah. their hormones are all screwed your up chemistry they're like, set yeah, is yeah. all jiggled and your body's that. trying to grow you're further jiggling it so yeah. it's a it's a lot of hardship um but having for all of that i think that guys who wrestled tend to have I think maybe it's the closest you can find now to where you used to want to try to grab guys off the farm because they tended to have a certain work ethic about them and a yeah. certain character to them. Um, so now, yeah, I always, whenever I find out a guy wrestled and was like and cared about wrestling, I always kind of keep an eye out for him. And they, they tend to be those types of guys. Like they're yeah. just, um, I don't want to say badasses, but they just, they're scrappy. They just, they're going to fight. They're going to play they, hard all the time. And, no, yeah. Nobody in the NFL really at their core lacks confidence, but yeah. those guys especially they do not lack confidence. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny to see. It's really cool to see. All right. On that note, we got to wrap things up. This is uh this has been over thirty minutes. It's been fun. Appreciate you taking time to come in. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah. No, this is awesome. I can do it as uh, often as you want, man. With, right. Within reason. I love it, Seth. With a caveat, within reason. Well, you're not going to get any more of Seth tonight because that was brilliant. And appreciate Seth for being here. And you can hear him tomorrow, six to ten. I was going to say 6 to 8, but that's on Friday because for the 10 days starting Friday, we will take over from 8 to 10 at training camp, Texas Training Camp Live. But you'll hear Seth every single day, 6 to 10, uh, with my buddy Sean Pendergast. They do a tremendous, tremendous job. And if you haven't been listening, then what are you doing? Seth's awesome. Just absolutely awesome. And just as awesome as my buddy Drew Doherty is going to stick around as we go in the lab next right here on Texas All Access. Texas All Access. Texans All. We got one final segment this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And it's time for Drew and I to go in the lab. And of course, we dork out about training camp in this one. And Drew starts it off talking about the schedule and how it's changed over the years. And when I saw the practice schedule, when it came out mm -hmm. about a month or so ago, it took me back to when I started here. First training camp that I I truly went through was 2010. I started in, in 09 at the end right. of the preseason, but first training camp in 10, boy, it was very intense uh, as far as you go a lot of days in a row. I can't remember if it was two weeks straight of two-a-days, mm -hmm. maybe, but before you had a day off, and maybe I'm just like building this up to make it worse, but the guys will go Friday, they'll go Saturday, they have Sunday off this time. Mm -hmm. They'll go about three or they'll never go more than four days in a row, and right. I don't seem to remember any of that i think if you'd had a break after four days back then it would have been like holy moly this is wonderful and so from a player standpoint i think it's much more advantageous as far as getting rest getting out of the heat did that stand out to you just like seeing some of the break a little bit it's you bring up a, it's it's skewed you, that way but you bring up an interesting point and your timing of it is i think key you talk about 2010 well before 2011 before the new cba was signed yes that's when things changed. The 2011 CBA, you talk to coaches. I'm, I can't tell you the number of times Bill O'Brien would squawk in here about the CBA. Yeah. Well, you know, that new CBA came. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. 
Well, one of the things in that new CBA was the amount of time you could practice days in a row before you had to have an off day. And they really kind of set that schedule a little bit better. You can't go a certain number of days without having an off day. It really laid things out, I think, for the players. Now, the the flip side of that is with the CBA, everybody is going to be something about you know, the players wanted maybe a little bit more percentage of the pie, but one of the things they got in return was we're going to have, like you said, we're going to have a day off. I think it's every five days, right? Within five days, you've got to have a day off and then you've got to try and time things up with when the preseason games are in the past that I can think of. We've been Saturday, 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 Thursday, when we had four or with three, it's Saturday, Saturday, Thursday, right? Now, this year, it's Saturday, Friday, Thursday. Yeah. So they're staggered. And yeah, it's one day, Friday versus Saturday. But it just can throw off your whole schedule of, we play Saturday. We'd like to give them Sunday off. Or are we going to give them Sunday off? Because then we got to have a certain number of days of practice. Mm -hmm. Then we have a walkthrough. Then we play the game on Friday. There's a travel day out to L.A. and all that kind of stuff. So it's... the CBA of 2011, and obviously subsequent ones signed in 2021, I think it was, or 2020 maybe. Either way, those CBAs have really changed the amount of time because when you think about having day after day well, after day, you talk about the preseason days. Yeah, you talk about the preseason oh. stuff, like uh, that, that being a factor in how you lay it out. Mm-hmm. Texans like probably Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa. The Cardinals and maybe a handful of Las other teams. Vegas now. Yeah, Las yeah Las Vegas. They've got to factor in weather with no their sports science people. They're they're Absolutely. nutrition, strength and conditioning. You got to factor that in as far as you could break a team mm-hmm. physically now, and you wouldn't see it now. You wouldn't see it in September. You wouldn't see it in October. But little stuff in November, December, January crops up because of perhaps some stuff that went down in August, in July. And I remember, oh gosh, I can't I can't remember the year, but. There was one year in which it was in the last three or four years, but I remember being outside a decent amount. But then when you looked at our schedule, we played indoor games. Yeah, you never were outside. We were at home or we played indoor games. So it might have been 19 because we were playing Indy early in 19. I remember uh-huh. we played the Saints to start the year. Yep. We had um a bunch of games at home Los Angeles we had Los Angeles so you knew you weren't going to Los get... Angeles was your hottest one it was in right. the 80s yeah, yeah. It, was, it was warm but it, it was a little bit but awful. I remember being outside and I kept thinking look we don't have to acclimate ourselves to the heat yeah. because we're playing a lot of games inside we're playing in LA we're playing in yep. good temperature climates this year it's you know we played Denver and Chicago week 2 and 3 won't be bad it, I don't think it'll be bad but you play Jacksonville week Six. It's in October. Early October in Jacksonville is hit or miss. The edge, though, even if it's a miss, the edge is still off. It's not Jacksonville October at, at its worst can't be Jacksonville in early September. No, no. Oh, oh man. I'm it can it can be uncomfortable. I'm not I'm not gonna quit. No, no, no. no I'm talking no no no. Any any time, like you said, early September in those places you mentioned. Yeah. And Jacksonville is very, very similar to Houston. Now you do oh, yeah. get a little bit more of the the ocean breeze, depending on where you are, at certain parts of Jacksonville, so it does cool off, kind of like it does down in Galveston. But early September, it's rough. I mean, we'd start a game at seven, and the sun would just be going down. Oh, yeah, brutal. I mean, brutal. So 
from that perspective, having the ability to acclimate to the heat, but that was one of the things that I thought was great about the Greenbrier. Yeah, it was a long ways away. We were away from family. I love the Greenbrier. I thought 2018 for two weeks was perfect. It was like adult summer camp for It us. was awesome. Yeah. I mean, we ate out every night. We were all together. It was, yep. it was really cool, but you'd get to the end of practice, and our routine at the end of practice has been routine for the last how many ever years, and that is practice is over, listen to the press conferences, but we all get an interview. Yep. Every single interview we did at the Greenbrier, every single guy said the same exact thing to me. And I know he said it to you and everybody. I don't feel like I'm dying. Right. You get to the end of practice here, and guys are drenched Mm -hmm. in sweat, but then they've thrown water on themselves to stay cool, and it is a grind. And then all of a sudden, they've got to do an interview with us, and they want to get in the ice bath. They want to get inside. Come tell me about uh, whether you prefer pizza or hamburgers. (laughs) they got to do my stupid Drew's dozen. Uh, okay, enough weather talk. It's important to keep our mind on the long picture because you see guys that flash in camp, but it's almost like you got to remember, it's sort of like spring training with baseball. Yep. Sometimes your multi-year Cy Young Award winner will go out in spring training and get lit up. And it's not because he's screwed around and smoked cigarettes all offseason and he's just <laughs> right. out there. It's maybe because... Well, I'm going to try out this new circle change that I've never thrown before in my life, right. and I'm going to overthrow it just to see what I can do with batters. Or I'm going to try out this new slider that I haven't thrown before. So, And he gets lit up because he's perfecting it. But then, right. once it's late April, he's incorporated that into his right. arsenal, and things are going well. So in the same vein, sometimes a running back might have a good day because you know the defense is trying some different things out, and he was able to exploit some some guys who are just learning a system, and vice versa on the other side of the ball. It's important to to keep that in mind when you see guys who are doing really, really well, or when you read about guys who, oh, this this guy didn't look very good, da-da-da-da-da. For example, last year, Davis Mills had a day where he threw, I think, four picks. It was really, really rocky. It did not look good. And he got the business on social media, uh, and so on and so forth, and he was all but written off. But we saw things were a little bit different I, once the season came. I couldn't agree with you more on that one in particular because I think what ends up happening in that vein, and and I'm guilty of writing a lot about what I see and some guys that are exciting, and you like to write about some of those guys early on. Yours now, is more clinical, though. It's like, I saw a good burst here, dot, 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 right. dot, dot. dot. It, you're not – when you, you're kind of celebrating what the guy did, but you're also saying – Keep in mind. Yeah, and I try to do that. I think Davis was exhibit A of what you're talking about because there were a lot of people that questioned Davis in and of himself. Sure. The fact that he's a third-round pick and he was the first pick of the next Serio era. Yeah, Yeah, there there was some trepidation. But on that day, Davis had never been with the ones. There were a lot of factors that weren't being considered. He had never been with the ones. I I think Brandon Cooks had a veteran rest day that day. So he was out. The defense kind of knew what the offense was trying Absolutely. to do. There were a so. lot of things working against Davis. Yeah. The danger in that is for a lot of people, that one day confirmed all the narratives they had, and they couldn't rewrite the narrative at mm-hmm. all. They just couldn't rewire their brain. And so it happened during during training camp. Mm-hmm. There were media members that weren't were there and maybe saw that particular day but then two weeks down the road, you had seen some significant improvement with Davis, but yep. yet it was still about that day that he struggled in the red zone or he struggled to throw interceptions. 
because I'm not talking three days later. They did two-minute drill, and I think he did it with the ones, too. And he went right up and down the field and was yep. brilliant looking, but yet it still became, oh, yeah, but there was that day through all those interceptions, so that tells you what kind of quarterback he is. That's where you really, I think, when it comes to training camp in particular, you get stuck on those narratives. And it, the flip side works, too. We all love Jalen Petrie, and I think Jalen Petrie is going to have one heck of a career. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about Jalen Petrie for a while because he looked really good in OTAs and minicamp. Yeah. We're probably going to give, and I say we, I'm talking a collective we, city of Houston, Texans fans, we'll give him a pass. Things don't look so great in the preseason because, well, he'll be fine. He'll be, he's a rookie. We'd like him. The narrative was different for a guy like Jalen Petrie. It's very different. And so we give him a little bit more latitude. For Davis, the narrative was, nah, we don't think he's going to work. Uh, even the people that were supportive of him was, you know, we got to see him grow and do that. Yeah. But you couldn't change. The, people couldn't change the narrative. And they still can't. Even a full season of work for Davis, most of the full season of work, they still can't look at him objectively. Still in the infancy. There's still people that'll go back career. to that day yeah. when he was in training camp. And they'll, oh, yeah, but remember that day? Yeah, I do remember that day. It was his third day in the NFL. Yeah. I think the bottom line is this. Don't panic. It's never as awful as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, probably not as great as it looks sometimes. So, still so that is it goes with watching film. It's the same thing. You yep. go in and you watch the film. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times, Drew, I've gone in. And I feel like I've played poorly. And I'm like, oh, I do not want to go in this, this film session. I'm going to get grilled. And then you watch and go, oh, well, too bad. Yeah. And the, the same going the other way. Man, I had a great game. Couple touchdown catches, pig, did all this. And then you go, man, I actually didn't play all that well. So it's, it's always that way, the same thing. You know, there's going to be spots to learn. There are going to be opportunities to get better. And even if a guy sets the world on fire in day one, doesn't mean he's going to do it in week one, year one, or year five. You just rolled it. But be prepared to change your thoughts and give a guy a chance if you've written him off and vice versa. If you think a guy's the greatest thing, be able to look through non-rose-colored glasses. I'm talking to me in some sense. And say, yeah, this guy really isn't what we thought he was. Yep. I was really excited about him, but it just... It isn't, it isn't there, but it's more so the other ones. And, and the Davis one really kind of hit because I would hear and read, and a lot of people just kept going back to that day. And I'm like, have y'all seen him the last week and a half? Yeah. He's been different. really good. It was one day. Yeah, yeah. you got to just yeah, go you gotta move on. And that's the hardest thing to do is to move on. But when the clock says your show's over, you got to move on. And it's time for T-Meal, the real deal. Coming up next right here on Texans All Access, a big thanks to Mark for joining me, to Drew, to Seth Payne for his time. As always, you guys are the best. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans. Texans. Texans.